All right, tonight, 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 we're going to continue something we started last meeting, and we're going to be doing it for about the next five meetings. It's a, it's a series that, for lack of a better term, we're going to call the Age of Opportunity, which you may have noticed your parents carrying around a book called the Age of Opportunity. Many of your parents are reading this book. Um, what are you smiling about? <laughs> I used to never like when my parents read parenting books because I always thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Something's happening. I remember when my mom was reading um, Dealing with the Strong-Willed Child or something like that, and I thought, oh, my, I'm going to be in trouble now. Um, but the reason that book is entitled Age of Opportunity, can anybody guess why it's called? I know you, you, you teenagers aren't reading it, but can you guess why it's called that? Why is it called that? Good point. And what, for what? <laughs> for many things. Mitch, follow up with Kevin there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it's, a, it's an amazing time of opportunity. You're not kids anymore. You've got more freedom. You've got more ability to decide things on your own. There's more temptations coming at you. There's more opportunities for sin, but there's also amazing opportunities for God's work in your life during the teenage years. And, and we don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. Your parents don't want you to miss that. In addition to that, it's an age where, where um, the society would tell parents this is a bad time of life. It's bad. Teenagers are hard. They're just going to, it's going to be a miserable time of your life until they grow out of it. And once they get to about 21, then it'll be normal again, but it's just going to be abnormal. It's going to be bad. And, and God has a whole different perspective on that. He says, no, it's not. That's not God's promise. God's promise is that this is a wonderful age of opportunity for parents as well because it's a, it's a time for parents to grow in their relationship with God. It's a time for parents to find out really more about who they are and also it's a time for parents to have a changing relationship with their teenager, different than when their son or daughter was three and five and eight. It's a different time, but it's a wonderful time where God can work in some really marvelous ways if we treat it that way. Um, let me read to you. Um, a section of scripture from Joshua chapter 2, which is not on your outline there, but it's, it's, it's kind of the why behind this series here. It says this, When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his own inheritance to take possession of the land. What's happened is, is uh, the people of Israel have gotten out of slavery. They've wandered around in the wilderness. They've come into the promised land. Joshua has led them into the promised land. And then he sent sent them by tribe to take possession of the land. So that's where they are. God has done some... What what are some of the amazing things God has done on the way from slavery in Egypt to time in the promised land? Who can name some of the amazing things God did on the way there? He fed them all how? Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people needing food. He fed them with manna from heaven. That's one. Josh? Their clothes didn't wear out. Clothes didn't wear out. Yeah, say that real loud because these cars are loud. I'm sorry for the windows being open. He did. They had to cross the Jordan River and they started to march and God rolled back the Jordan River so they could walk into the Promised Land. What else? He led them in a pillar of fire. Pillar of fire. Yep. Yep. 
He led them. Directed them. How about the Red Sea? Remember the Red Sea? Parted the Red Sea so they could get through. Pharaoh's army was coming after them. That's way too loud. Are you going to cry? Is it that bad? <laughs> yeah, I know it's hot. What should, well, next call, what should I do with this? Is it, okay, all right. If it gets too loud. Um, Red Sea, okay, so he's done, some, he's done that and some just absolutely amazing things. So the people get there, uh, Joshua disperses them, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. They buried him, etc. I'll skip a little bit, and then this. And all the generations also were gathered to their fathers. That means all of the next generation had, had died as well. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that the Lord had done for Israel. And what that talks about is that's really... For us now who read that, that's a, that's a warning scripture, really. It's, it's a warning that can say this. Parents can know God, have a relationship with Him. They can, God can do some wonderful things, but it can be failed. It, it, you can fail at being able to pass it down to the next generation. There can grow up a next generation who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't know all the wonderful things that the Lord has done. My firm belief is that that's not what God intends for you folks. God intends, really, I think, for you teenagers to, um, to surpass where your parents have gone, to be able to grow in a relationship with Him that's even going to surpass uh, your parents' relationship with, with God, not to be a generation who grows up and doesn't know the Lord or the wonderful things that God has done. So that's, that's the why behind this series, is because we have faith that God is calling forth a generation of young people, you folks, who are going to grow up to know Him, to see God's mighty works, to follow Him, and to walk with Him all of your days, as opposed to being a generation who grows up and says, well, my parents knew the Lord, but I don't. And so that's, that's our goal. That's our prayer. Let's pray tonight. God, I pray that as we talk tonight and as we discuss, and as Your Word is looked at tonight, Lord, I pray that You would work mightily in our midst, that You would do more than we could even ask or imagine in our hearts, Lord, I pray that even right now you'd be raising our expectations about what it is you want to accomplish tonight. And I pray, God, that there be things of eternal value accomplished tonight. I pray that your, your name would be glorified, and I pray that our hearts would be turned to know you and to love you more. Thank you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk over the next several weeks about five goals that that I think would be wise for you to adopt in your life. Five goals that we're going to present. Last week we talked about one of them. One was developing a heart of, anybody remember? What we talked about last time? Developing a heart of something. We talked about two things actually. Aaron. Convictions. And what was the other thing we talked about? Anybody remember? Josh. Convictions and wisdom. We talked about biblical convictions. It's, it's, it's important for you as you're growing up to find out what the Bible has to say and develop convictions about that that say, I won't cross that line. I, I just won't go there. And then also the idea of learning um, godly wisdom in your life because God's 
word does not answer every problem you're going to face in life directly. It's not going to tell you exactly what college to go to. It's not going to tell you exactly what person to marry. It's not going to tell you exactly what job to take. But there's much that we're supposed to dig into God's word about so that we can glean principles and wisdom that do help us with every single situation, every problem, every good thing, and every... every um, dilemma that we face in life. God has something to weigh in, so we want to develop convictions and wisdom. Tonight we're going to talk about a second goal, which is focusing on the spiritual battle. I'm going to define that in a minute, but we're going to talk about the spiritual battle in our lives. Let me uh, read to you the verse that is on your, on your sheet there. It's from 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this, So we don't lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There's much to see in the world that we live in, isn't there? There's all kinds of things you can see taste, touch, look at, and Paul is writing here about not looking to the things that are seen, but looking to the things that are unseen. So let's talk for just a moment about what are things that you as teenagers tend to see? What, what are things you look at? What are things you're concerned about that are, that are seen, of the seen world? Things that you can see, taste, touch. What are things that tend to consume teenage thoughts? What are some of those things? There. Friends. Friends, absolutely. All people, I believe, from age about two or three on are concerned about friends. However, there is a magnification of that in the teenage years where friends um, are a major concern in the teenage years. Absolutely. What else? Aaron. School, yes. I don't have to be concerned about school anymore. I'm not in school anymore, but you do, and it's a major concern. It's right there in your face uh, most days. Absolutely. Josh? I kind of had it in with friends, being cool, being popular, being accepted, not being rejected, all those things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mitch and Kevin. What? Money. Yes. Yeah. When, you, when you're really little, you don't need a whole lot of money. Your parents take care of everything. You start to do more on your own as teenagers, and you start to think, boy, I need a job. I need to get some money. Or I wish I had wealthier parents. <laughs> no amens out of you, young lady. And so money becomes a concern. It's right there. It's seen. It's of the seen world. Kevin, did you have something? Yeah, stuff. Cool stuff like video games, electronics, and iPods, and cell phones, and texting, and all that stuff becomes big. It becomes right there. Andrew? Your future, yes, absolutely. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? When you're five, you don't worry about your future a whole lot. But when you're 18, right, Nathaniel? You start to think about that. You're right on the cusp of what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What about college? Which one? You know, all that stuff. Your future. Josh? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be a professional baseball player. That was my thing. I still think I could get there. I've seen the rookie. I've watched it. I, there's still hope for me. What else? What, what else seen? Are we, we're kind of hitting a lot of the major ones. Is there anything else anybody's thinking of? Things that are right in front of you? Cars. Yeah. 
Nobody mentioned relationships with the opposite sex. Nobody mentioned, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, who am I going to marry? That kind of stuff becomes important. So what does this verse have to say to us about that? Look at your paper for a minute. Look at the verses. Let's, let's try to take a look at what does God's Word say about all that stuff. What? No, I'm not talking about Paul Tripp's quote. I'm talking about, talking about the other Paul, the Apostle, for a minute in Second Corinthians. Thomas. It won't last. Those things are going to end sometime. Keep going. You guys are on the right track. What else? There are things that are eternal. They're not necessarily those things, right? But we there are things that are eternal. There's a seen world and there's an unseen world, right? What were you gonna say, Kev? Yeah, like we can't see how many dogs that go last Right. Well, what? Right. Mitch, how are you, Andrew? What? What's still present even though you can't see it? Like what? Um, priority. Um, Love. Hate. Yeah, Mitch. God. Absolutely. Can you see him? Can you touch him right now? Okay. But he's eternal, correct? Your relationship with God? What were you going to say, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's an unseen world. And, and I think here's what Paul tends, uh, Paul the Apostle, still not Paul Tripp yet, is talking about at this point, is that there's a seen world that not just teenagers, but your parents too, tend to get very wrapped up in. And I don't think God's intention is, hey, don't worry about any of that stuff. It's just completely unimportant. No, friends are important. Who you will spend the rest of your life with is important. Having enough money to pay your bills is important. Um, Whether you're accepted or rejected by other people, it's important. Those things are important to a degree. But I think our tendency as teenagers and also as parents and everybody else, is to focus all of our time, all of our energy, all of our focus on the seen world and forget about the unseen world, which is the spiritual world, our relationship with God. And we tend to put so much time and energy into friends, into electronics, into relationships, into whether we're cool or not cool, whether other people are going to accept us or reject us, and our, our world gets so wrapped up in that that we can tend to forget about the unseen world. And God, through this passage and many others, wants to tell us, hey, don't do that. That stuff is transient, which means it's passing away. It's not going to last forever. It has its place. It has, has its importance. But it's not ultimately the most important thing. The most important thing is your relationship with Christ. 
the most important thing is whether you know God or not and growing in your spiritual life and where you're going to spend eternity because that's the thing that's going to last. Luke 9.25, which we looked at at church just a couple weeks ago, says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If he gains everything. If you had all that stuff we just mentioned, all that seen stuff, if you had it all, but you forfeit or you lose your soul. What, what profit is that? What good is that if you could have all that stuff and forfeit your soul? In other words, put some attention to, put some emphasis on your spiritual life as well. Give not just some attention. Make that your highest priority. Make it a higher priority to grow in your relationship with God than to be accepted by friends. Make it your highest priority to grow in your relationship with God than to acquire money or a car or electronics or your next job or whatever it is. Not that those things are unimportant and don't have a place, but just watch where your priorities go. Watch what you think about a lot. Watch watch what you spend your time with. Do you guys know what a peacetime mentality is or a wartime mentality? Do you know... You ever heard that phrase before? Do you know what that's talking about? What's... No, the di- opposite. A peacetime mentality versus a wartime mentality. Who, who knows what that is? Parents, you can participate as well. Go ahead, Elena. Peacetime, like social media? Like how people think Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. to be more passive and more easygoing and more everything's okay. And if there are problems, you kind of bump over them. Uh-huh. You're overriding and the wartime mentality is more aggressive and more um, ready to attack. Mm-hmm. 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 Who, anybody... Let, let's keep talking about that a little bit more. What, what is a country like when they're not at war? What's, a, what, what's the mentality in a country like when there's no war going on, there's no... Uh, military overseas, there's no fighting, there's no threats from the outside. Kevin? Josh? You worry over things that aren't really worth worrying about. Like if you have a war going on, you're worrying about something that really change. Okay. And what might you do differently if there was if there was a war going on where where thousands and thousands and thousands of troops were involved and where maybe our borders were possibly being attacked, what 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 would go on there in our country if that was happening, Nathaniel? Why? Interesting thought there. Interesting thought there. Yeah, Mitch. You might join the army. Why? So you might make some sacrifices, right? Because it's important, because it's dangerous, because there's something real happening. Kevin? There would be more chaos around, yeah. Yeah, which might cause you to do what if there was more chaos around? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, could. If you ever if you ever read in, in history books about like what what the United States was like during World War II, where what happens is so many soldiers are overseas and the whole country is saying we're all in this together. 
we're fighting this together. Whether we're staying at home or whether we're going overseas, um, women who hadn't worked before went to work in the factories to help make things for the war that was going on, and there was support for the troops overseas. And there, there, there's a sense that, hey, there's something significant going on uh, that can be lost when there's, when there's peace and there's, people are just kind of more interested in, let me get the biggest house. Let me not worry about sacrifice. Let me not worry so much about, let me just kind of focus in on myself. But then all of a sudden when there's a war going on, people's mindset tends to change to say, hey, something important is happening. Something significant is happening. What can I do? How can I help? Now let's read Paul Tripp's quote about our spiritual lives. This is not about physical war, but he says this. There's a war out there. It's being fought on the turf of your heart. It's fought for the control of your soul. Each situation you face today is a skirmish in the war. Let me just pause there for a second. Everything you face today, I don't know what all the things you guys have done today, but you've had things come across your path today. You've had maybe some temptations come your way today. You've had some encouraging things that have happened today. You've had opportunities today. You've had things come across. Each of those things that comes across the screen of your life, that comes at you, is, is a skirmish in that war. There's a war going on for control of your heart, for the turf of your heart. Be careful, says Paul Tripp. Be aware of that battle. In other words, don't live like there's no battle out there. Don't live like the unseen is just unimportant. Don't live like there's not important things going on in your life. Be careful. Be aware of the battle. Don't forget that there's a scheming enemy out there who is out to deceive, divide, and destroy. Go out knowing that to win, you must fight. be a good quote for you to read every morning before you go out the door in the morning, before you go places, to realize that, you know what, I'm going to see a lot of things today and I'm going to be tempted in a lot of ways and I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I may want popularity today, I may want things today, I may, I may have opportunities to walk towards sin today. There's a battle going on for my heart. If I just live like, hey, it's no big deal, I just kind of float through life, you're going to miss the fact that, that, that God wants you to have a wartime mentality, to recognize that while we live in this earth, there is a war going on tonight uh, during this life. And so our, I think our goal tonight would be for all of us to leave here recognizing that to be true, that there's a battle, and saying, I want to engage in it. I want to be in this battle. I don't want to just kind of be swept away. I want to be aware of the battle, and I want to engage in it. So let me, let's talk um, just the next five or ten minutes. Um, we'll breeze through these last five things here. This is what, um, what would characterize you if you were engaged in the spiritual battle. If you were saying, okay, I recognize that to be true. I want God to work in my life in such a way so that there's going to be a winning of that battle for the control of my heart. What are five things a spiritual warrior will do or engage in? Number one is this. Spiritual warrior will, number one, fear God. And you might think, oh, that's a, that's a strange thing. What does that mean to fear God? It doesn't mean to be so afraid of God that you don't want to have anything to do with God. What fearing God means is having, having a reverence of God, recognizing that God is holy and mighty and He is present and He's near and, and our posture toward Him, though He loves us, our posture toward Him should be a bowing down kind of reverence toward God because of who he is and how mighty he is. Proverbs 9.10 is, is one of the 
maybe dozen or so verses in the Bible that talk about the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One, knowledge of God is insight. So it's saying if you want to, if you want to be aware spiritually in your life, start with fearing God. Start with reverence of God. Start with an understanding that God is, and I'm very different than God. I'm much smaller than God. I, it's God who, who created the world. It's God who knows everything. It's God who has all power. And compared to Him, I am, I am a very tiny little speck. So start there if you want to win the spiritual battle in your life. In Proverbs, they do a lot of talking about fools versus those who are wise. Fools say, there is no God, or fools say, well, there's a God, but he's not to be reverenced, he's not to be awed, and so fools live their lives as if there's, um, they just kind of live for the moment, live for what's happening at the moment. Someone who's wise will say, you know, there's something bigger going on. God exists. And, and I desire to live my life in a way that, that pleases and follows Him. Someone who fears God will not only follow God when their parents are watching. They won't only follow God when a teacher's watching or some watchful eye is there. They'll recognize that, you know what, if nobody else ever knows what I do right now, God knows. God is present with me when I think I'm all alone. God is present with me when no one else is in the room. It doesn't matter who else knows. God is here. And so because of that, because of who he is, because I want to follow him and and give him the reverence and the awe that he deserves, I'm going to follow him and obey him. Second um, characteristic of a spiritual warrior is this. Rightly relating to authority right relationship to those in authority over you. It's almost expected, it's almost kind of comical that our our culture expects that when people hit the teenage years, something's going to happen. They're going to disrespect authority, they're going to not want to have anything to do with their parents, they're not going to want to have anything to do with teachers or anyone in authority, they're kind of just going to rebel against authority and that's just kind of expected of teenagers. God has a whole different plan than that. God, in His kindness and in His goodness, says people, all of us, not just teenagers, but adults as well, need structures. They need authority figures in their lives to restrain sin and to keep... That's why why it's important that that we have government. That's why it's important that we have police. That's why it's important that there are authority figures in our lives. With with no authority, people would be just left on their own to do whatever they want. And and anarchy is the result of that. And so one of the ways that, that you can engage in the spiritual battle as a teenager is say, I recognize that my parents are not perfect. Is that hard for you to recognize? No, you recognize my parents are not perfect. However, God has placed them in my life to help me. And so because of that, out of love for God, I'm going to have a posture that says, I want my parents' input into my life. I want to listen to what my parents say. I want to obey them. I don't want to constantly be fighting against their every word and their everything. When someone is in that position, well, ultimately what they're doing is they're fighting against God. And God says, I have a better plan for you than that. Don't just kind of go with the flow of the, uh, um, of the society out there that just says, oh, rebel against authority. No, recognize that authority is kindly placed there by God for your good. Authority is not perfect. I sin against my kids. 
Sometimes I make wrong decisions. Sometimes I get angry and say things I should not say. Sometimes I fear, and so I'll make a decision that's based on fear rather than in faith. And so I'm not saying that your parents or your teachers or others in authority over you are going to make the right decisions all the time or always uh, treat you perfectly right. But the general principle is God wants to bless you through your parents and through those in authority over you. So have that kind of mentality that says, I know there's a battle for my heart. I need the help of my parents in my life. Third thing, there'll be a desire in a person's heart if they want to engage in this spiritual battle to spend time with people who have number one and number two, who fear God and who have a respect for authority. In other words, there'll be a desire to have some friends, to have other people around in your life who are going to be living that way too because you understand that you can be led astray by others. There's a proverb that we've talked about before in uh, Infused that says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to be engaged in a spiritual battle, you have to say, you know what? I need the help of wise friends. I need the help of other people who are trying to live their lives fearing God, loving God, um, respectful of authority. If I just hang out with, just spend all my time with friends my age who are the opposite of that, I'm going to be led in that direction as well. So if you want to engage in the spiritual battle, be careful who you pick as your friends. Doesn't mean don't reach out. Doesn't mean don't share the gospel with others. Who, uh, who, who are different than you. It does mean do that, but as far as who you're looking to for advice and friendship, be very careful who you look to for advice and friendship. Fourth thing, seek a biblical understanding of life. I won't say a whole lot about that because it's really kind of what we talked about last time. Seeking to dig into Scripture. Let me back up for a second. Here's, here's my concern for anyone uh, growing up in a, in a Christian church, in a Christian family, and that's that you can become very familiar. You've gone to Sunday school. You've heard the Bible stories. You've read the Bible stories as kids. You could quote a lot of the stories, and you know what happens. But you haven't always taken the time to really dig into God's Word and say, what's it there for? Okay, Jonah got swallowed by a whale, and he got spit up at Nineveh, and he went and preached to the Ninevites, and this happened and that happened. But what's it supposed to... What's it supposed to do in your life when you read that story? What's it supposed to do in your life when you read that that God's people wandered in the wilderness and then went into the promised land, and then after they went into the promised land, there was a generation that grew up that didn't know God. What is that that supposed to do? How is that supposed to function in your life? So someone who's aware of the spiritual battle that's out there will say, I've got to dig into God's Word. I've got to gain some godly convictions and some godly wisdom in my life and and so there'll be a reading of God's word there'll be a a wanting to understand it there'll be questioning there'll be uh, help me to understand it there'll be when you go to church or youth group or other places there'll be a yes I want to get this I want to learn it I need this for the spiritual battle that I'm involved in and then the last thing I'll say tonight is this the fifth fifth quality of a spiritual warrior is that you'll seek a biblical self-awareness. Now, you probably don't know what that means. What I'm trying to talk about there is that the Bible tells us some things about ourselves. That's why it's self-awareness that we need to know. What are some of those things the Bible tells us about ourselves that we need to know for our lives? Josh? Your heart is deceitful. Okay. 
So what's that? What's that mean in uh, non-Bible language? Yes. Yes, your heart can kind of trick you, fool you into thinking you're fine or that, that you don't have a problem that you really do have and that's why you need other people's input, that's why you need God's Word, that's why you need the Holy Spirit working in you, etc. Yep, that's one thing that's really important to know. If you don't know that about yourself, you're in trouble. If you think, no, everything I think about myself is true and right, you're in trouble. <laughs> Mitch? Okay, so knowing that the human heart is sinful is important. Why is that important? Elena? It's sort of change, need the help of God, need the Holy Spirit working in our lives to change us. Yep. It wasn't because of our work. Yes. It's really important to know. It's really important to know that about yourself. That, that, that there is no amount of good works that you can do to be made right with God. Now God does have good works planned for us, but that's not the basis of us having a relationship with him. The basis of having a relationship with him is what? Josh. Yeah, but what, the, what, 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 do, what, what gains your relationship with God? I, I probably said that in a, in a wrong way. Mitch. Faith in Jesus Christ that he died for your sins. And what happens, Josh, now we'll go back to when that happens, when a person knows God because uh, Christ has died for their sins and your, your sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with God, what's the result? To know God. You get to enjoy Him forever. He does have good works for you. He has stuff for us to do, which is awesome and, and glorious that He has good works for us to do. Um, and we get to enjoy God's presence both now and forever. Anything else the Bible tells us about ourselves that we need to know? Yes. Thank you for saying that. If you're saved, if you know Christ is your Savior, God is 100%, as Nate said, on your side. The Bible talks about Him adopting us into His family. The Bible talks about giving us the righteousness or all the right standing of Christ. It's just... It's good news. God's smile is upon you. You are in right relationship with God and even when you sin again which you will continue to do he will forgive you loves to forgive you and is working in you to change you and to to make you more like his son Christ and has a future uh, eternal future in heaven for you if God didn't spare his own son for you how much more will he 
uh, give you so many good things. God has God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. Absolutely. Think of all those all those wonderful things that the Bible tells you about yourself. That if you didn't know those things, your life would be radically different. So, when you face temptation, when you face temptation, you need to put that Bible awareness into action. You need to not say, I can handle this on my own. I'm strong enough. I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't need my parents' input. I don't need to turn to God. I don't need to pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. You need to put the Bible awareness into action that says, oh my, I need help. It's not because I'm just some weak person. It's because we all need help. Because our hearts are deceitful. We need the help of God. So turn to Him. Ask Him for help. Turn to others. Ask for their input and their help into your life. Also trust that God will work powerfully in your life to overcome those things. Those are all things that we need to put into practice in our lives. Our, my goal for you, one of my goals for you, like I said, we're going to talk about five of them, is that each of you would live out your teenage years aware that, you know what, there's a battle going on. It's not just all about what I see every day. There's a bigger picture battle going on. It's a spiritual battle, and I'm going to be involved in it. I'm going to be engaged in it by seeking the help of God who promises to help me in these kind of ways. And so, as you do that, as you walk that out, what you're going to see is you're going to see God conquering on your behalf. You're going to see God winning on your behalf. You're going to see yourself growing and and growing in the way that you're able to glorify God, growing in how much you enjoy His presence, how much you understand about Him, and growing in what you are, are able to do, the, the, the kinds of ministries, the kind of outreach, the kind of things He has for you. He has such a good plan and a purpose if you're aware that there's a spiritual battle and you engage in that spiritual battle by the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray just what I talked about there, that you would help every teenager and every parent and everyone else in this room, Lord, to be very aware that there are, there's much going on that we don't see right now. And I pray, Lord, that we would be so aware of that and I pray that we would, um, we would engage in the spiritual battle by your grace And I pray that you would do mighty works in our lives. God, thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins upon himself, to forgive us for our sins, to make it possible for us to know you and enjoy you and stand in awe of you I want to pray your blessing upon each and every one here. In Jesus' name, amen.